0: Philippians 3 verse 1, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh." Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else think he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so, circumcised on the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, which is in the law, blameless." But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ, and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, Therefore, let us, as many as are mature, have this mind, that if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Brethren, rejoice in following my example and note those who so walk. As you have us for a pattern, for many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait. For the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to His glorious body, according to the working by which He is able even to subdue all things to Himself. Therefore, my beloved and longed-for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Well, Father, we ask that you would take this gospel, that Lord, the seed of your word, the good seed of your word, that you would plant it in the good soil of our hearts, that it would bear a harvest, that the life of Christ would be manifest through us, your ground for all the world to see, to give witness to your glory. Father, we ask that you would do this, that you would use your people, that you would use your church, that you would use Christ's fellowship to give witness to your glory. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So here in this chapter, I want to to focus on some things that Paul points out. Uh, Some things that stuck out as I read this chapter. He says that we should rejoice. He says, rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. So we must be a people that learn how to rejoice. He also said to count. He said, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. We need to be a people who learn how to count, to count what is lost and to count what is gained. He said, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. We need to be a people who learn how to to press, to move forward, to press into, to not shrink back, but to press forward. And we do that by looking ahead, by reaching ahead, and forgetting what is possible. Behind, So we're not pressing while we look behind, we're pressing as we look forward. We need to be a people who learn how to press forward. We need to be a people who learn how to walk. He said, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. Join in my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, he goes on to say, as enemies of Christ. So we need to learn how to walk as Christ walked. We need to learn how to walk as allies of Christ. We need to learn to walk not as citizens of this world, but as citizens of heaven, because that's where our citizenship comes from. And we need to learn how to stand. Paul writes this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, Having done all to stand, stand therefore. We need to learn how to take our position and stand firm, rooted and grounded, not in sinking sand, not in the sand of this world, in the doctrines of men, in the doctrines of this world, but in Christ, the solid rock, rooted, grounded, and founded on that foundation, able to stand and to withstand in the day of trouble, even as the storms come and the winds blow and the rains beat down, our house shall not fall if we are standing on the rock. And we do this so that we are able to lay hold of that for which Christ laid hold of us. That's a statement you need to think about a little bit. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. So let's talk about rejoicing. We need to be a people who learn how to rejoice. Later on in this letter, uh, in chapter 4 of this letter, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. We must learn to rejoice in Christ or we will find ourselves in a sad state it's easy to rejoice when we have something to to rejoice over right when you're feeling great when you're feeling up when you're feeling good about life like the song we sing when the world is all that it should be and the Sun is shining down on me it's easy for me to say blessed be the name of the Lord But what happens when the world is not all as it should be? What happens when the sun is not shining down on me? What happens when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death? What happens when the world presses against us? And trial and tribulation, the fiery trial comes. The Bible doesn't say rejoice when it's convenient. Rejoice when you feel like it. Rejoice when the circumstances warrant The Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, for emphasis, Paul says, I say, rejoice. Paul declares, what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss in Christ. In other words, there were things that Paul once counted as gain, things he put great confidence in that he came to count as loss so that he may gain gain. Christ. He did not mourn over his loss. He rejoiced in those things that were lost to him because the loss of those things meant gain in Christ. So we might ask ourselves what things were gained to us at one time that we can now count as lost for Christ? What has become lost to you that has translated into gain for you in Christ? So do we, do we count them as loss, those things, or do we lament the fact that they are gone from our lives? Paul says, I count those things as loss, and I rejoice in that because they have been gained to me in Christ another way to ask the question is, what can we gain in life that is worth more than gaining Christ? What in this life, what can this world give us that is worth more than gaining Christ? The answer to that question is nothing. There is nothing this world has to offer. There is no fame, there is no status, there is no amount of money or riches or power That the world can give us that is more valuable, that is worth more than knowing Christ. So we have every reason to rejoice in Christ. And we have no reason to place our confidence in the flesh. What does he mean by that? Rejoice in Christ and have no confidence in the flesh. How do we come to know Christ? How do we come to experience gain in Christ? How do we come to be reckoned righteous in Christ? Is it by the deeds of our flesh? Is it by our good works? Well, the Bible is clear. The answer to that question is no. It is not by the deeds of the flesh. And this is why Paul says, don't put any confidence in the flesh. Our righteousness is not according to the flesh. It's not according to our good works. Our righteousness is according to Christ and to His work. We can rejoice because when we begin to count, we're going to talk about counting next, when we begin to count, when we learn how to count, we will figure very quickly that we fall short. That we do not measure up that we do not add up to what Christ requires. And we can, either, we can either mourn that fact, we can either throw up our hands and say, I don't know what to do about that, or we can count correctly, reckon co- correctly, and understand that our reason to rejoice is not because we can measure up. Our reason to rejoice is because Christ has measured up. Christ did the work that we could not do. So our righteousness is imputed to us, is accounted to us, is given to us as a gift by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. But when God gives us that righteousness by giving us his life, he also gives us the ability to gain. And that ability to gain that capacity for gain is greater than anything that we can humanly imagine because it transcends anything of this temporary world we live in and what god has given to us in christ is spiritual it's it's solid it's more solid than the earth we stand on it's spiritual that means it's eternal it will Never pass away. In other words, whatever you've lost of this world and whatever you've gained in Christ, you've lost things that were going to pass away anyways. What you have gained in Christ is eternal. It will never pass away. So we have reason to rejoice. We have reason to count it all joy. Paul says, count all things lost for the excellence of knowing Christ, We need to be a people that knows how to rejoice. We need to be a people that know how to count. In knowing Christ, we cannot lose, even when we suffer loss. Do you know the difference? You can suffer loss in Christ, but you cannot lose in Christ. You may suffer loss, you may suffer great loss, but you cannot lose in Christ. We must be reminded that Jesus came so that we would have life and have it abundantly or to the full. That means even in death we win. The things of this world that are lost to us are gained to us in Christ. Paul counted all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. He said, I count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. In other words, whatever he counted as gain before he came to new Christ, he realized that everything that he had counted on, everything that he had valued, everything that gave him stature and and importance, all of those things that, that he looked to, to measure up to God, he realized those were nothing They were lost. They were, in fact, rubbish, he said. And he said, the loss of those things was worth the excellence of knowing Christ, the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. He rejoiced to suffer the loss of all things that he may gain Christ. And he writes this. He says, that I may gain Christ So we must learn to count that we may gain Christ. To gain Christ is to be found in Him. It's to be found and to find oneself. It's not only that God has found you, it's that do you now find yourself in Christ? You hear this sometimes when you read books or watch movies or you... Someone say, I'm, I'm out to find myself. I want to find myself. I'm on a quest to find myself. Well, what, is, what does that even mean? I mean, just look, here you are, right? I don't need to find myself. I'm right here. I'm right here. You don't need to find yourself. No, you need to be found by Christ. And you need to find yourself in Christ. And this is what Paul says, I count all things lost for the excellence of knowing Christ, that I might gain Christ, that I would be found in Him, and so find myself in Him. To gain Christ is to lose one's own self-righteousness and gain the righteousness that is from God by faith in Jesus Christ. To gain Christ is to gain His very own righteousness, not by our own merit, but by grace through faith in Him. Paul writes, I count all things lost for the excellence of knowing Christ, that I may know Him. We must learn to count that we may know Him. Learning to count is important for many reasons, but especially when it comes to know Christ or when it comes to knowing Christ. It's like, it's like I always say, you're gonna, you will never know your salvation until you know your sin. You'll never know how great your salvation is until you know how great your sin is. You'll never fully appreciate what God has saved you to until you understand what He has saved you from. This is why learning to count is important. We must learn to count in order to know what of this world we have lost and what we have gained in coming to know Christ. To know Him is to know the power of His resurrection. Paul says that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection. To know Christ is to know the power of His resurrection. It is to know the power of a new life, the power of a new creation, where the old is passed away and all things have become new. This is why Paul says, talks about forgetting what is behind us. To know Him is to know the fellowship of His sufferings. It is to know that we are not the first or the only sufferers. sometimes we may feel that way. I'm the only one this is what this is what Elijah said. Elijah, after he goes to the top of Mount Carmel and he faces the four hundred prophets of Baal and they go through this whole exercise of building two altars and and and, and or building an altar and Digging a moat and pouring all of this effort into this. And then he tells these prophets of Baal, they set the sacrifice up there. And they say, okay, now you pray to your God and see if your God will bring fire down from heaven and consume the sacrifice. The Bible says they worked until they literally bled to the bone. And guess what? Their God did not answer. So then Elijah says, well, let me have a shot at it. So Elijah says, go get some water, fill this pit with water, pour that water over that sacrifice and soak it good and soak the wood good. And then Elijah calls upon God and fire comes down out of heaven. The Bible says it it licks up all the water, it consumes the wood, and it consumes the sacrifice, and then it consumed the 400 prophets of Baal. And guess what while Israel was watching this spectacle Israel who had left God and had gone into spiritual adultery with Baal when when Israel saw God consume the sacrifice and then consume the 400 prophets of Baal guess what Israel did she repented you and I would too if we'd have been standing there But guess who didn't repent the queen The queen didn't repent. In fact, the queen got mad. And the queen says, I don't care what happened to my 400 prophets. All I care is that they're dead and Elijah's responsible. And by the time this day is over, I'm going to have your head, prophet. And you know what Elijah did? He ran for his life from a woman. After he just saw the power of God come down and do that miracle, and he ran. Seems kind of funny, doesn't it? And he runs to the wilderness and he says, I'm the only one. Poor me. I am the only one left. And God says, quit having your pity party. You are not the only one left. I've got 7,000 prophets who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Get yourself up and keep pressing on. Is exactly what God told him. Paul says that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings. To know that we are not the first and we are not the only sufferers and we will not be the last. To know that Christ suffered for us. He suffered and he suffered for us and that the brethren have suffered are suffering today and will continue to suffer until Jesus returns and puts our last enemy under foot which is death. And so there is a fellowship of suffering in knowing Christ because The power of his resurrected life is in opposition to the sin and death of this world. Do you hear me? The power of Christ's resurrected life that's in you is opposed to the sin and the death that's of this world. There is enmity between the spirit and the flesh, there is enmity between light and darkness. But here's the good news. Light beats darkness every time. Life overcomes death every time in Christ. Death has no power over us if we are in Christ. Even though death may be God's servant that takes us to Christ, He can only take us to Christ. He cannot hold us because He has been broken. He has been defeated though He is not yet put underfoot, but He will be one day. This is why Jesus warned that we would have tribulation in this world, but He encourages us to be of good cheer, reminding us that He has overcome the world, knowing that the fellowship of His sufferings, what we are called to, and knowing that We have a reason to rejoice because Christ has overcome the world. That we may know him and be conformed to his death. That we may know the power of his resurrection. That we may know the fellowship of his sufferings. That we may be conformed to his death. Why would we want to be conformed to the death of Christ? Yet that's exactly what the Bible says. If we're not crucified with Christ, we cannot be raised with him. The only way a resurrection can happen is if there is a death. And it's like the old saying goes, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. We all want to be resurrected. We want to be raised with Christ. But the only way that's going to happen is for us to first be crucified with Christ. We say Christ came so that we could live, but before we can live, we must die. Christ came and He was crucified so that we could be crucified with Him. And in being crucified with Him, we are raised up in His life, in the power of His resurrection. This is why suffering is always spoken of as a temporary state of existence for the believer. Because as long as our life may last on this earth, even if it's a very long one, compared to the eternity in the presence of the Lord, free from death, free from sin, free from all suffering, this life is nothing. In fact, the Bible says it's like a puff of steam that passes before your eyes. You're cooking that delicious dish for supper and you pick up the lid from your skillet or your pot and that steam comes up. Count how long it lasts. It doesn't last very long. The Bible says that's that's our life. That's the extent of our suffering if you were to suffer all of your life on this earth. But there is a reason that Paul prayed that I may know The fellowship of his suffering. Because to suffer with him is to rule and to reign with him. Don't despise suffering and don't despise tribulation. Because those things, the Bible says, are working for you a more eternal weight of glory. Unless we are conformed to his death, we have no hope of life. And the life Jesus came to provide for us is life in every sense of the word and in every aspect of who we are in spirit, in soul, and in body. That I may know Him and attain to the resurrection from the dead. If I am conformed to His death, I will attain the resurrection from the dead. This resurrection from the dead is not just a spiritual or a a mental resurrection. It's not an imaginary resurrection, but a physical, bodily resurrection, just like the resurrection of Christ. If we have been crucified with Christ, conformed to His death, then we are already raised up in His life. In our spirit, we are already made new. In our mind, we are being made new. And in our bodies, we are waiting to one day be made new. New In the resurrection from the dead, our mortality will put on immortality, our weakness will put on power, our corruption will put on incorruption. In that day, we will be physically raised in the image of the heavenly man, according to the life of Christ that we now have in the image we now bear in the spirit we must learn to count. We must learn to count what things are lost that we may know what things are gained in Christ. This is part of coming to know Him more deeply. We must learn to not only count what things are lost, but we must learn to count His endless blessings and so rejoice. So we learn to rejoice. We learn to count. Paul says, I press on. We must learn to be a people that do not shrink back, that do not back down, but a people who press on. He says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. In other words, Christ has laid hold of you so that you could lay hold of something. Christ has laid hold of us. He has taken possession of us. Remember, that's what I always say. Salvation is not what you possess. Salvation is who possesses you. Salvation is not some card you carry in your wallet. It's not a lucky charm you put around your neck or put in your pocket. Salvation is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is your salvation. And if he does not possess you, if he has not laid hold of you, then you have no salvation. And Paul says, I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. Why has Christ laid hold of you? He has laid hold of you for your salvation. He has laid hold of you for his glory. You exist for his glory. He has laid hold of you that you can lay hold of All that is to be gained in Him. His life and His salvation. We do this by forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. Don't lament over your sin. Learn from your sin. I don't care if that sin was, was just one hour ago. Forget it learn from it, and move forward. When he says forgetting what is behind, he's not saying we wipe our mind clean. He's saying, I'm not living in the past. I'm not living in my former sin. I'm not living in my former identity. I'm not living in who I was, in my sinfulness. Paul says, I'm not living as a Pharisee. I'm not living... As one trying to keep the law, I'm not living trying to earn my righteousness anymore by the deeds of the flesh, by the works of the law. He says, I am now living as one crucified in Christ, raised up in Christ. I have forgotten that old life because it is gone. It's been crucified with Him. I am a new creation. I am new. I walk in newness. So I look ahead to the newness. That I have in Christ. We press on toward the goal. Of the prize of the upward call. Of God in Christ. This is why God laid hold of us. That we could lay hold of the prize. Of the upward call of God. In Christ. We press on. As many as are mature. When we see the story of. Jacob coming back into the land. And he meets his brother Esau. Jacob has a great company. And after they have their meeting, Esau is trying to get him to come with him. and, And Jacob says, no. He said, we need to go slow. Our company is great. And we have many small children. Who have to be carried they have to walk slowly there's a time in our spiritual development that god carries us just like in the development of a child where a mother or a father carries that baby because that baby is too immature to walk on its own but through nurture and care that child grows and develops the ability to walk. And this is what Paul is saying. I press on. And he says, as many as are mature, have this mind. He's saying to us, he's commanding us to have this mind. In other words, if you're old enough to walk, this is the mind you should have, that you are pressing on, that you are pressing forward, that you're not looking back that you're not living in the past. If you're walking, if you're you're mature enough to walk, this is the mind you are to have. Press on, move forward, look forward, reach forward. Press for the goal of the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. Trust that God, even God will reveal that if there is any other thought in your mind to do any other thing, he will reveal it to you if you find yourself wanting to go back to the old, if you find yourself in love with the old instead of looking ahead to the new, God will remind you. Ask God to remind you. Ask God to help you, to give you the grace to change your mind, to turn your heart and to turn your eyes away from what was behind you That you are to be forgetting and to look forward to those things which are ahead. We need to learn how to press on in the Lord. We need to learn how to walk. He said, let us walk by the same rule. Let us be of the same mind to the degree that we have already attained. Let us walk by the same rule. Let us walk following Christ and following the Christ-like example of the apostles and all those who have gone before us, the great cloud of witnesses that are watching us as we run our race. Not walking as those who have their minds set on earthly or temporary things, but walking as an ally of the cross, not an enemy of the cross. Walking as one whose citizenship is from heaven. Not walking as one who is earthly or temporally minded. But walking as one who is heavenly and eternally minded as Christ is. Walk according to our citizenship. Our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior. Do you catch that? We are waiting for the Savior. There's a lot of Christians today who are waiting for the Savior to take them out of this world. I got news for you. That ain't going to happen. God didn't put you in this world to take you out of this world. He put you in this world to occupy and to advance His kingdom in this world. And Paul says right here, we are eagerly waiting for the Savior to come from heaven to earth. Not so we can go back to heaven, but so that we can, so that he comes and we will be transformed in these lowly bodies and so that he will subdue all things to himself. When Jesus comes, this is not a temporary coming. He's not going to come and snatch us away. He's coming and he is going to transform us and he is going to subdue all things to himself. It's exactly what the Bible says right here. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. That's what he's coming to do. When he comes back, he is going to subdue all things to himself. <coughs> And He will, in that process, put the last enemy underfoot, death. This is how we're to walk. What happens on this earth certainly affects us because we live here, but we are more than temporal, earthly beings. We are eternal, spiritual beings. We have the promise from God that we will one day inherit this earth, Therefore we should live as such, not with our mindset on temporary earthly things or not having our mindset on how we're going to escape this earth. We're going to inherit this earth. We need to have our mind set on the eternal plan and purpose of God. Working with God, believing that as it is in heaven, it shall be on earth. That is, all things are subdued in heaven, even so all things will be subdued here on this earth. Walking while we are waiting for our Savior to come from heaven back to this earth. Our citizenship is in heaven and we are on this earth waiting for the Savior to come from heaven back to this earth. And when Jesus returns to this earth, he will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, and he will subdue all things to himself. Learn to rejoice, learn to count, learn to press, learn to walk. Paul says, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so Stand fast in the Lord. Stand fast, pressing on and reaching forward to those things ahead. Stand fast, forgetting those things which are behind, those things which have been nailed to the cross of Christ. Stand fast in the present, letting Christ define you now, letting Christ identify you now, letting Christ, now be your future even as He has already redeemed your past. Stand fast in maturity, living by the same rule and being of the same mind that seeks to lay hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. Stand fast following the Christ-like example of others before us and around us. Stand fast against the enemies of the cross. Stand fast against as citizens of heaven, eagerly and expectantly waiting for the Savior to come to earth from heaven to transform us and to subdue all things to Himself. Stand fast in the Lord, living your life for God's eternal purpose and for His eternal glory. So we are to stand fast. And when we do that, when we ask God he will give us eyes to see and to know all that we have reason to rejoice he will help us count those things that are lost that have meant our gain in Christ he will help us press on not shrink back he will help us walk and not faint he will help us stand stand and not fall. That is his promise. That is why he has given us his spirit and sealed us with that promise. Because you are here, laid hold of by God for a reason. And you are to live for that reason. You are to live for that cause and no other. We are the church, we are the redeemed of the Lord, bought with the precious blood. Of Jesus. There is nothing greater that God could have given us. There is nothing of this earth that is worth more than knowing Him and gaining Him. And in that, I pray you will find reason to rejoice in the Lord always and again. Rejoice. Amen. Let's get ready to come to the table. Here's your charge. Be a people that knows how to rejoice. Learn to rejoice. To rejoice in the Lord always and in all things. Putting no confidence in your flesh or in the temporary things around us. Be a people that knows how to count that counts all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ, that we may gain him and know him. And in doing this, we will learn how to count our blessings, every one of them. Learn how to press, to press on, to press forward, To not shrink back, to not stand back. To keep moving forward inch by inch, yard by yard, even mile by mile. Toward the goal of laying hold of that for which Christ has laid hold of us. Learn how to walk following Christ's example. Walking according to His example and the example of those who have walked before us even those who walk around us. According to the pattern of heaven, from where our citizenship and our Savior come. And finally, learn to stand. And having done all, stand. And when you don't feel like standing, keep standing. And when you feel like giving up, Stand. And when someone tells you to go ahead and sit down, to go ahead and compromise, to go ahead and lay down, stand. Stand in Christ. Stand in his might, not your own. Stand, therefore, in the Lord and in the power of his might. And having done all, continue to stand not being moved by this world. We live in a time where the world is trying to move us. It is pressing. It is assaulting. We need to stand, and we need to gather ourselves, and we need to do what Christ said, and that is to assault the gates of hell knowing that they will not prevail against us. Gates are stationary. We are called to press to move forward. So may we do that, church, to his glory. Ask God. He will help you. He will show you what to do. Amen.